You're listening to Rivercast, brought to you by River of Life Church in Gilderlin, New York. Now here's Pastor Sean. Hey gang, you may be seated. I uh, sure enjoyed that video this morning and I was excited to share it with you. And uh, I hadn't thought of this exactly, but watching that kind of brought to my mind and uh, that we today... You know, the issue is not a lack of information. The, the issue today is information retrieval. And, you know, we all have access to far more information than we really need in life. And somehow in the middle of it, it just seems easier and easier, isn't it, to lose Jesus in the process of life and all of the stuff that's going on. I'll just, true confessions this morning with the new, you know, uh, mandate coming uh, for New York State about, you know, indoors wearing masks and all of that. I'm like, I should be thinking about the message I'm trying to talk about, which is joy, by the way. So I kind of, I get to live the message, so I get to have joy in the middle of craziness. I'm thinking more about this. And by the way, we're going to share with you our official policy at the end of the service of where we're headed with all of that. And so, Anyway, but I, I do want to talk to you about joy. This is, uh, you know, my this is First Pierce chapter two verse one, which means I may be completely wrong on this. All right, my opinion. I didn't look up any stats. I, to be honest, with you, I get a little tired. I'm really skeptical. A lot of experts. You look at this expert and they say one thing, and this is an expert the next thing. Like after a while, I'm like, okay, I don't even really know who you can trust anymore. But we know Christmas is supposed to be happy, it's supposed to be fun. Families are supposed to get on great. Like everything's supposed to be wonderful. And you come through Christmas, you're supposed to be really fulfilled and have everything great. But we all know that it's also a very depressing time of year. It's a time when suicides go up. It's a time when people are struggling more than, than ever before in so many ways. And I, I think this is my opinion, so you can absolutely disagree, and you're probably right, and I'm probably wrong. But I really think what it is is we just... We love Christmas because we want to be happy. And we kind of agreed, like, we're just going to make this season about happiness. And then we get discouraged and reality hits. And we think that it's going to change somehow and it's going to mask over the pain and the things and realities of life. And it doesn't. And people then look and they feel like, why am I not more happy? And they look on social media like, well, they're happy and I'm not. What they don't know is, is right after they took the picture, they're, you know, they had a fight or they're, you know, they're frowning or whatever. Like they're happy on the outside, on the image, but really not on the inside. And so people get depressed and they get discouraged. And we think that life is somehow supposed to be better and it kind of ups the expectations, but yet we're still living with that reality. So I want to talk to you this morning about Christmas joy. I want to talk to you about the joy that we can have, that God wants us to have, that's, that's lasting, that, that lasts far past Christmas morning. Uh, I, I think I, I love Thanksgiving more than Christmas. There's probably lots of reasons why. I'm not sure I fully understand all of it, but I think part of it is, is I just feel like Thanksgiving, I can kind of enjoy the day and that kind of weekend or whatever, but Christmas... To be real honest, even as much as we as a family try to read the Christmas story Christmas morning, once the gifts are open, you're like, okay, that's it, you know. All right, that's a wrap, folks. Let's go home, you know. And, and we kind of fish around and like, okay, reality hits. So I really want us to think just a few minutes this morning about what joy looks like. So we're taking a break from John, and we're kind of today, and if God gives me free, I'm going to preach the next couple of times when I'm with you um, and out of Philippians 4. So we've got a really long passage. It's going to take me a really long time to read it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Really short. 
This is one of these high potent tablet, a lot of stuff is packed into this multivitamin, this you know, really power packed thing. Paul the Apostle says, rejoice in the Lord always. There are so many things in these four things. In fact, this is probably going to be the easiest message for you to remember. My first point is rejoice. My second point is in the Lord. And can you guess what my third point is? Always, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. The word rejoice means for us to have, have joy. It means, it really means to be glad. It's not a difficult word to understand. It means to be happy. Now, sometimes, and I've been a little bit like this, I've, I've had moments when I'm a pretty good Pharisee as a pastor, you know, I can be like the next guy, kind of, you know, super spiritual or whatever. And, and I've, I've heard messages, and I've even preached down that direction that, you know, well, joy in the Lord is different. It's lasting, and happiness is fleeting and all of that. But can I just tell you, joy and happiness, really, from a biblical perspective, are pretty much the same thing. They really are. In fact, the Bible says in Luke chapter 22, remember when, um, who was the guy that betrayed Jesus? Judas, thank you. All of a sudden, I increasingly am having senior moments, even though middle-aged moments. Can we create a new thing? I'm having middle-aged moments because I'm not, I don't think I'm a senior. We can have that conversation later on. But when Judas was ready to betray Jesus, the, the religious leaders were looking for an excuse to put him to death. They didn't know where he was going on, where he was hanging out, what was going on. It was kind of hard to get under their thumb. And Judas came to him and was like, I'll deliver him to you. And the Bible says they were joyful and they gave Judas money. So when we think about joy, don't over-spiritualize this to make this some sort of you know, spiritual thing, it really means for you and I to experience the emotional, the realities of being glad, being joyful, laughter, all of that, to find that in the Lord. So Paul is telling us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say rejoice. Now, oftentimes people think about God commanding us to do something. This is a command, right? Very clearly, it's something we're supposed to do. And if we didn't get it in the word rejoice, it, it basically means to do it always, constantly. God reminded us, which really he says twice in here, rejoice always. It's, it's a command. And we often think of commands as something that we don't like to do, right? If you have to command somebody to do something, it means they don't naturally want to do it. And we tend to do the things that we like, that we want to do, and we tend to have to be told to do the things we don't want to do, that we don't like, that either we think is dumb or whatever, and we don't want to do that. But this is kind of the cool thing. This is like God telling us, hey, you should go eat some more chocolate ice cream. That would be good. Like, go do that. Like, so many of God's commands, in fact, all of them ultimately are for our good, but this one really is like a chocolate ice cream. It's like, hey... You should go be happy more. You should have joy in your life more. You should experience that more. You see, we want that as people. And I think that's why Christmas season is so difficult. It's, we, we are happy in one moment, but we're also confronted in the realities of another. It reminds us in our, of lost past loved ones. It reminds us of other things, how life should be different and other things in life. And, and yet God wants us, He commands us to do that. Now, whenever the Bible commands us to do something, God tells us to do something, it means we have a choice. We often think of happiness as not a choice, right? Well, I'm just not very happy. We do all kinds of things. We react in some really significant ways because we are not happy. At heart, 
Divorces happen in that. People move because they're not happy. We spend money. We go into debt. We, we become addicted to things because we're not happy and we're trying to get to that place of happiness. But because it's a command, it's a choice that we are responsible for. We're not, we're not, um, it's not like we don't have influence over that in our life. So God's not telling us, hey, go be joyful and do whatever the things are that you need to do to be happy. You know, he's not telling us to indulge in those kinds of, of things. What he's saying is, is your life needs to be totally shifted to where you have joy always. Now, some of you, your antenna's going up like, Sean, yeah, we're supposed to be jojful, but we're supposed to be joyful in the Lord. Hang on, I'm going to get to that part. I get it. I will fill in all of that, and we're going to take care of it. But for now, let me just hang out with the joy part. God commands us to do this. And so consequently, we, when we think about our emotions, and we've talked a little bit about this with other things along the way, happiness really does begin to be our choice about something that we have control over, we have responsibility in. God would never command us to do something when we don't have a choice about it, when we don't have influence, when we aren't responsible for it. Happiness isn't just, the joy isn't something that just happens in our life that somehow we need to maneuver our circumstances so we can get more of it. It's not like a resource and limited supply that we need to grab. That God's saying, guys, you can be joyful always, and I want you to be joyful always, and you're not joyful always in the Lord. Something that you need to take a step forward and take a step forward in me. Now, there's two ways of this joy. The world's way of joy, and this is where I think pastors, and I've even preached this way, kind of like making joy different from happiness. The, the issue isn't so much treating these two words differently. Glad and joy and happiness, they're, they're all referring to the same thing in our life. The real issue is the source of them. The religious leaders found their joy in getting Jesus and having control and power and authority. The Bible tells us that our joy should be in the Lord, that it should be in Him and what He's done for us. Listen to what Solomon, King Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes. Give me one second to, to log into my wonderful computer here. Ecclesiastes 2 says this, King, King Solomon was the wisest man to ever walk this planet. And you could, you could examine the things that he talked about and the things he did. It was absolutely amazing. And he says this, he said, I said in my heart, come now, I will test you with pleasure. He's, he's talking to himself, not because he was uh, had issues intellectually or mentally. He's saying, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to figure it out. And he says, I'm going to test my heart with pleasure. Enjoy yourself, is what he's saying to himself. Be happy, enjoy. But behold, this also was vanity. This was worthless. It was meaningless in life. I said of laughter, it's mad. And of pleasure, what use is it? What Solomon is saying is that, guys, I went to the depths to make my life about being happy and pleasureful. And I realized it was empty. I realized that at the end of the day, it was hollow. It didn't fulfill. In fact, it could be what we would say insane. It was crazy. It was madness. It was ridiculous that pursuing that absolutely caused nothing but heartache and headache and emptiness in my life. 
See, that's why people, we struggle at Christmas time. That's why we struggle in so many areas of life, because we pursue things that we think are going to make us happy. We make decisions in life thinking they're going to make us happy. And when we make those choices and we get involved in those things, or we make those decisions and we experience those things, we pay our money, we get those, and that happiness is for a split second, and it's gone. And we wonder, where, where was the joy I was supposed to get out of this? Where was the meaning that I was supposed to have in the middle of this? So the joy that God wants us to get is found only in Him. It is a rejoice in the Lord. God didn't say, just go be happy. It's not the, you know, the original, um, you know, let's get happy. Remember that song, clap along? You, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? God said, be happy. I'm told, the other pastors tell me, Sean, don't. Don't, don't sing the worship team. The other guy's like, don't do hand motions. I can, okay, I'll, I'll behave. I'll, hands in my pocket. He said first to be happy in the Lord, that our joy that we have should be in Him, and it should be in Him always, that we really can be in a place where we have joy in our life, regardless of what's going on. I'll talk about that at the end. So He tells us to be joyful in the Lord, to be joyful in Him. That it's not just to be happy, but He's telling us the source of what our real joy is in life. You see, I think so many, we build up Christmas that we especially look forward to Christmas, that people just want to go through a season where they can be happy. And they can put things aside. And then we get hit with new mandates, like you got to wear a mask everywhere you go now. And we're like, oh my goodness gracious, how are we going to do that? Oh, And we get hit with whatever the realities of, of life. But what he's telling us is, is that our joy is not found in our life circumstances. It's not found around us. In fact, if we're really looking at Scripture with what Solomon said, there's nothing in this world that will really truly make us happy and will really truly give us joy. Not one thing. Sometimes couples even get married thinking the other person's going to make them happy. And that's a fast track to all kinds of problems and ultimately divorce because your joy, if you think it's going to be in one thing, that thing or person is going to let you down. It only can be found in the Lord. Now the Bible is God's Word written to us perfectly and every word in it is there for a purpose. Some of those things are very clear. Some of those things are more subtle. This one's a little more subtle. You see, the Bible didn't say rejoice in Jesus. Again, I will say rejoice. It said rejoice in the Lord. It didn't say rejoice in God. And again, I will say rejoice. It said rejoice in the Lord. The word Lord means boss. It means master. It means owner. And it's referring to the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ. But it didn't just use His, his first name as Savior. It used His title as Lord, the one who is in charge, the one who is large and in charge. And it's a subtle hint, hint, nudge, nudge reminder that our Lord Jesus is in charge, that regardless of where we are and what's going on in life, that we find our joy in Him. And it's a challenge for us to kind of get our eyes off from down at this level and lift them a little bit higher, that regardless of the pain or heartache or difficulty or things that were going on in life, that we can have a joy because Jesus is the Lord over all of those things. He's Lord over every one of them. That's why James tells us to count it all joy. 
when we fall into all various kinds of trials and difficulties in life, that we're to count that because we can recognize in the middle of it that Jesus is Lord over all of those things. Because it reminds us that it's the Lord Jesus we're talking about. Not only is He in charge, but He's the Redeemer. He's our Savior. He's the one who came and died for us, that bought our life with a price. The reason that He is our Lord, that He is our Savior, is because He surrendered His life on our behalf, that He canceled our sins on the cross, that He redeemed us from that. That though the world be going to a hell in a handbasket, everything is okay because Jesus is our Lord that we can have a joy in the middle of all the stinky, rotten, awful, bad, challenging, nuisances, problems, whatever is going on in our world, because we have a Redeemer, the Lord Jesus, who loves us and who saves us and who is today Lord of the universe. It's not like our loved one that we, that's passed away, that has gone away, that we can't see anymore, that He rose again and He is alive and He is ever with us even now in the middle of all of those things that... He is Lord, Lord of our world. He's our Redeemer. And because He's our Lord and our Redeemer, the Bible demonstrates that He's our protector and our provider, that He protects us. One of the Bible's words referring to God Himself is that He's the Lord of hosts. It means that He's the, the, Lord, the Lord of armies. He's the, the Lord of, of all the stars of the universe. He's the Lord of all of the multitudes that... He can summon at any moment legions of angels to come and act in our behalf. And if He doesn't want to do that, He can just act directly Himself in our behalf, that He is the Lord who protects us and provides for us all that we need, all that we uh, would ever possibly need. And if we're being really honest with ourselves, we might not get that bright, new, shiny, whatever under the Christmas tree. He gives us not only what we need, but He gives every single one of us what we don't need. He gives us more than that, guys. So often you and I live in the world from a glass half-empty world, right? Some people are highly optimistic. How many of you are glass half-full, highly optimistic people? And the more I'm that way, the more I realize, like, that's a minority, right? The rest of us who are glass half-full think you're all nuts. Think you're just like not looking at reality. I'm teasing. I'm lovingly playing with you guys. You know that, right? Like, what are you talking about? You know, this is terrible. Most of us are the glass half empty kind of people. And what Paul the Apostle is telling us is we need to move a little more to the glass half full side, not minimizing the difficulties, not minimizing the pain, not minimizing any of that, but we need to recognize that that our Lord Jesus is in charge and He cares for us. Listen to what Psalm 30 verse 5 says. The Bible says this, that, that for His anger, talking about God, for God's anger is but for a moment, and His favor is for a lifetime. So God loves us and He, he disciplines us. He gets after us. He gets on us. Whatever you want to say, corrects us. And He's angry at us, and it's for a moment. As a child, that God comes at us and we experience that. And the result of that, the Bible says, is that weeping may tarry for the night. You and I might weep when God's getting on us. God's not afraid to make you and me cry. He's not. Parents, if you're afraid to make your child cry to, when you need to discipline them, um, you need to get over it. It's okay. 
Don't harm them mentally, emotionally. They're actually far more resilient than you think. It's okay for them to cry, to suffer in the middle of it. If you're responding to them appropriately and in the right way, God does it with us, and we are supposed to turn around as parents and relate to them. Because the Bible then goes and says it's for a moment. Weeping may tarry for the night. God doesn't stay after us and just keep bringing it back. doesn't make us walk in eggshells the rest of our life. The Bible says, but joy comes with the morning. That even when God disciplines us, we may be in the middle of that pain and that anguish and the difficulties of life. But we know that that's a fleeting moment. And that joy and that gladness in the Lord and God's love for us and restoring us and working in our life, that's what lasts. That's what continues on. So I'm not saying that you and I should never have any bad negative emotions, that we should only have joyful emotions. I'm not saying that. Not at all. Please don't, don't mishear me. What I'm saying is that you and I are complicated emotional creatures and beings, and it's possible for us to grieve and have sadness and have heartache and all those things in the middle of it. At the same time, have joy when our joy is aimed at in the Lord. You see, the reason why people become so desperate and despair in this season or any season is because they're confronted with the realities of life and they don't have anyone or anything that they can find joy in, a genuine security and a hope into the future. They don't have the promise and the truth that though they may be suffering now in the night, that joy is going to come in the morning. And you and I, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have that truth. We have that reality and that promise. And Paul is kind of stiffening us up. And he's saying, guys, you need to be happy more and have happiness in your life. But that joy needs to be aimed at the Lord. It ought to be joyful at Him. Here's, here's, here's the control that, that you and I have in this. And I hinted at it earlier, but I didn't really explain it well. You see, this is my definition of, of what joy is. Joy is the emotional gladness that automatically rises up in our soul as a result of what we believe, value, and think. You see, the reason you and I can't just sit there and be happy and make that emotion come out is because it's not just an emotion. It's an emotion that comes as a result of something we believe, value, or think. Now, I made that up, so you can look it up and disagree with me if you want, but I'm 99.9% sure I'm on the playing field, if not pretty close on the board. You see, you get happy when something happens to you that you like, and the reason you, it's something that you think. If you open a Christmas present on Sunday morning and you're really happy, it's because you value what that Christmas present is, or you value the person that gave that to you. I have a little red... Um, uh, like a little quarter zip fleece that my kids gave to me a number of years ago. And it's, it really is valuable and precious to me. It's not an expensive little piece of clothing. It's kind of like a little... I wore yesterday, actually, the men's breakfast. The, by the way, guys, if you weren't here, breakfast was unbelievable. Burritos to order. You really... You, the teaching was good, but the breakfast... <laughs> ladies do cookies. I'll, 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 all day long, I'll be at that. It's like a fire engine red little fleece. And the reason it's valuable to me 
is because what's behind it. My kids pooled their little money before they had their real jobs and all of that and bought it for me. And I will wear that thing till it rots off or falls off or has holes or whatever because what's valuable to me is not the piece of clothing, it's what's behind it. You and I spontaneously have joy based on what we believe, think, or value. So when Paul tells us that we should find joy in the Lord, what he's saying is that we should value and believe and think about the Lord more than about the other stuff around us. We get into problems in our life when we're valuing, thinking, and believing things that are not as valuable and they're not quite right, and we are thinking about all of that kind of stuff. So what he's really calling us to do is to change our thinking and when we get our thinking straight, it allows the emotions to flow. I don't, this really is not complicated. You don't need to get a psycholo psychology degree to go to school and all that to figure out. It's really not that complicated. You know, people react to different things based on what they think about it or what they value, if it's important to them or not, what they believe, and there's a spontaneous emotion that comes in it, whether it's a sadness, a grief, a joy, or happiness. So Paul, in essence, is telling us, is, guys, make sure your joy, make sure what you're thinking and you're valuing what's important to you is, is, is the Lord. Not the stuff around you, but is in Him. And when you and I really value the Lord Jesus, as we talked about yesterday, guys, in the men's group, when He's not second and He's first, you and I can walk around with far more joy and peace and all the stuff that we want in life, because nothing can touch that. Am I saying that we don't have grief and sadness and heartache? No, nope, I'm not saying that at all. The Bible doesn't say that. But we can have joy regardless in the middle of it. Third thing, and I'm done. We're to have joy, rejoice in the Lord always. Make that really simple. Life is not necessarily black and white or, you know, yes or no, binary. There's a lot in betweens and all that, but I'm just, for simplicity's sake, we're to have joy in the Lord in good times and in bad times. Good and bad. You see, what that means is, is when times are good, there's a warning. Our joy should not be in our circumstances being good. It should really mostly be in the Lord that He provided it. It would be a little messed up for me to just be so excited about that little red quarter zip fleece I've got. That's a good time. I like to get gifts. You like to get gifts. When you experience good times in your life, all that you're getting is a gift from God today in your life. You get a new job. You get a promotion. You experience a day off. You experience something good. You get a blessing. Whatever in those things in life. What God is telling us is we should step back and say, God, I'm really happy about this. It's okay. But our happiness should be in the fact that our God in heaven loved us so much that He's the Lord overseeing our life and allowed that to happen. We're to have joy in Him in the good times, not the other stuff. You and I get in all kinds of trouble when we have joy in the stuff around us. So we're to have joy in Him even when it's good, and we're to have joy in Him when it's bad. We often focus on this side. Well, it's bad. Lift up your heart, have joy in the Lord. Oh, I'm going through hard times. Yes, we know, but lift up and have joy in the Lord. We need to remember over here, you're having good times. You better be having joy in the Lord because you've got problems. You're going to get your eyes off of Jesus and end up in a ditch. He blessed you. My kids would be so offended if I just really got excited about a gift and just blew them off. 
And we do that to God. And so find joy in good times that He's given you a gift and whatever that is, that means you need to be thanking Him and consciously giving a heart of gratitude just as you do people when they give you gifts. Regularly give thanks and have joy in your heart to what God has given you. And when things are bad, say, God, I'm struggling. Work through all of that. Be honest in that. But say, but God, I'm looking to you. You are Lord. And I'm going to find joy in you in the middle of that. Remind yourself of that and think about that. And God will begin to bring let that joy. It's almost like turning the valve on on the water pipe. You begin getting your thinking and your mind and your heart straight you kind of open that valve and all of a sudden joy starts coming in the middle of it uh, in the process. I want you to notice that in the bad times, this is significant. Look at verse 5. Let your ESV says reasonableness. Some of your translations will say gentleness. Really amazing word that kind of means all of that and more. Can't really translate it well in English in one word, but it says, Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. That idea of reasonableness, gentleness is this. It's saying when you and I are in situations in life that are bad and we're not being treated properly, that our response to those people and those situations should be with a gentleness and a reasonableness. Not giving people exactly what they deserve, but it should be measured. It should be not responding with maliciousness or hatred or whatever, that no matter what people are coming out at us in our direction, in other words, the trials and difficulties of life, that we should have a measured, reasonable, considerate, merciful, gentle response in turn. You see, when you and I have joy in our soul, it allows us to respond to people in that way. When you and I are not carrying joy in our soul, day in and day out, things that people automatically do put you and I on edge, and we don't respond gently. We don't respond reasonably. In fact, we will see their offense, and our tendency is to raise it. It's like football in life. Oh yeah, you're going to hit me and our team? We're going to come back and hit you harder. And we protect ourselves and we raise it and we escalate it in life. But when you're joy, this is not just you and I, like this is not three little steps about you and I can you know, live, have a happy life. It's about the life that God meant for us in a relationship with Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior that has a real outcome in our relationships. But when you and I consciously are living a life in a joyful relationship with God, we're in a spot that we respond a lot better to the craziness of the people around us. And to kind of help us with that, Paul tells us, this is subtle, but it's significant. He says, the Lord is at hand. Literally, the Lord is right here at your hand. He's nearby. He's within arm's reach. And the reason you and I can respond gently to people is because God's not far away. That we have a joy in Him because the Lord is right here with us and we're going through life. And then we can respond in that incredible, incredible way because the Lord is right here. 1 Peter 4 says, it says this, Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will... 
I don't like that. I wish all suffering was not God's will, but suffering, much of it is God's will. And guys, as we talked about it yesterday, God has a way of showing us our idols and pulling that junk out of us and humbling us or revealing of us, and He does it through suffering. But therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their soul to a faithful Creator while doing good. That's what this gentleness word is. is that when you are suffering and that God wants to use that in your life, you entrust your soul to a faithful Creator. I, again, I love the subtleness, not just to God, but a Creator God who's in charge and made all this stuff. We trust our, God, our soul to Him, and because we're trusting Him, we're able to respond and do good in return. Folks, that's how you live life stable and even and responding well and having joy in your life, experiencing the grace that the Lord Jesus loved you and is your Lord and you walk with Him in the middle of craziness and how you respond as you should to people around you. So two simple things this way before we, this morning, you may or may not have noticed we're going to celebrate our Lord's Supper, which is fantastic to remember joy. You see, truth be known, all the joy that we want to have at Christmas we should have every day out of the year because of Jesus, because of the Lord Jesus. And the Lord's Supper is a, supposed to be a celebration reminder of that. With all the fanfare and festivities that we can well up in our heart, it's a reminder that we're His and He's our Lord and a cause for joy uh, in the middle of us. But as we segue into that, two things I want you to think about. Where is your joy this morning? Are you... Are you consciously in your heart stirring up your heart to be joyful in the Lord? It's fine to be excited about gifts and all of that, but are you consciously saying, God, thank you. Thank you for the good stuff you do are doing around me. And God, thank you for the bad stuff, the yucky stuff, the stinky stuff, the awful stuff, whatever adjective you want to put in it. Lord, I don't like it. I'm not having fun with it. I'm not happy about it. It's okay to not be happy about that stuff. It's okay. But you say, Lord, I'm going to put my joy in you, that you're still bigger and in the middle of that. That's one thing I want you to think about. And the second thing is, is how does God want to use you to help other people discover what real joy is? Folks, the world wants this. And they're buying pills for it. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff to get it. And God's given it to us. And He's given us the message of joy this season. So how, are, how does God want to use you to help other people to experience that? Those are the two things I want you to focus about. I'm going to pray, and we're going to celebrate our Lord's table together the joy that He provides for us. So I'm going to give you, a, you might want some moments just to think about those things, to kind of search your heart. I'm going to ask God, to, the Holy Spirit, to search in with you, to give you some things to think about. But we're going to celebrate that, that time together. So let me close this in prayer. Lord in heaven, I am grateful that you have truly given us joy. And this is not psychological babble or manipulating our own mind or soul, but it's helping us to understand spiritual truths 
in our mind, in our heart, in a way that we get to experience the emotion, the healthy things that you want to have happen just in our life as a result of living life with you. Lord, I'm convinced as Christians, we don't live with enough joy in our soul. You don't want us to to be ignorant or not to be affected by the awful things around us. In fact, there's times we need to be more angry than we are about things in this sinful, wicked world. But Lord, even in the middle of all of it, when we turn our thoughts toward you, there should be nothing but incredible joy. And how often we fail to, to look above and beyond or even just to realize to, that you are our God, and you still have got this. And that there's nothing around us that changes that reality. And to entrust our souls to you, the faithful creator. So, Father, help us this season not to live in guilt, not to try to find joy by throwing off our shame or irresponsibilities, but to rather go to you, confessing and repenting of sin, to find forgiveness with you, and to allow you and that right relationship to bring joy into our soul. Lord, would you help us with that? I pray, Father, for those who are, that you've been speaking into their heart and soul, trying to find some answers for life that are real and meaningful, and life has let them down, and who are even feeling like they've let themselves down. Lord, help them find that, that all of us have been in that same boat, every single one of us have messed up and have just made a wreck in our life. But Lord, you sent your son Jesus to die for us, to forgive us, and to give us a relationship with you and forgiveness. And in the overflow of that, to help us to experience joy out of, out of that relationship. Lord, would you help them to understand the meanings of these things that we've talked about today? Father, we look to you, and as we celebrate this Lord's table this morning, we celebrate that even though Christmas is amazing for all the festivities, and we do have fun with it, that the real lasting joy ultimately is found in, in, in the crucifixion and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, that he's alive. And because of it, our life is different. Thank you, Father, for those truths. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to read uh, out of Hebrews chapter 12 as we celebrate our Lord's table. You might want to go ahead and grab the little cup in front of you. This is startling to me, but to kind of even help us to understand how joy even intersects with our Lord's crucifixion. Hebrews 12, 11 and 12 are some amazing passages about the heroes of faith, of people who have followed God and what God did in their life. But listen to what 12.2 says. It says this, it's you and I are to kind of run the race that's in front of us, whatever that is in our life. The, most of our lives are more like a steeplechase obstacle course. We're, we're trying to hurdle stuff and jump over crazy things, you know, and it's not a sprint, it's a marathon, whatever analogies you want to follow. But he tells us that while we're living that out, here's what we're supposed to do. Looking to Jesus, constantly looking to Him, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy 
for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Well, you know, we've talked a lot about the joy that we get, but our Lord Jesus, when he hung on that cross, as those nails were going into his wrists, and as he was taking on all of your sin guilt that you and I both earned, the Bible said he did it with joy. I promise you, his body did not feel joy. His body felt every bit of pain. And we know he felt the anguish as he prayed to his father, Father, you know, there's any way can this be removed? But he had joy in the middle of that. And he endured the cross, despising the shame that was put upon him, that you and I, he took our shame that we don't have to hold on to. And he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So as we celebrate this morning, I want us to think about this wafer that represents the body of our Lord Jesus, not really His body, no molecular way, and you can go ahead and open it as I am, that as Jesus was being nailed to that cross and hung there, He did it with joy in His heart toward you and me. The relationship, the knowledge that through His blood and sacrifice, He was saving you and I from an eternity in hell and giving us eternity with Him and removing our shame and all of our guilt in that one stroke brought Him incredible joy. And that's a challenge to me to say, okay, God, yeah, I've never been crucified. I feel like the hard things I go through are really hard, but I never had to go through that. And I want that joy. And that gives me more joy thinking about that. And so you, you guys know the drill. As Paul shared with you know, the church in Corinth, he said, Take ye, this is my body, which is broken for you, broken in joy. The Bible says that after the supper, he, he took that cup, and he tells us it's the cup of the new covenant, the new relationship that God has given us. That we can be forgiven and have a right relationship with Him. That's a picture of His blood that's given for us. And in the same way, we're to drink it. Not This doesn't wash away our sins. It's a reminder that our sins are already washed away through our through God's grace to us and our surrendering faith to Him. And He tells us to drink of it, to honor and love Him. This Christmas, that's a reminder of the best gift you'll ever get. And don't forget that. Mm -hmm.